Acceptance is our topic this Mother's Day. And I wonder, Mom, if I could ask you two rhetorical questions. And the first question would be this. Do you feel accepted? The second rhetorical question would be, what are the bases for being accepted? The world tells moms, you are what you do. You are what you wear. You are what you drive. You are what you achieve. You are where you live. The world tells mothers, you are what you weigh. You are what you do for your family. Or sadly, sometimes within the Church of Jesus Christ, we tell moms, you are what you do for God. The reality is, of course, that for the born-again Christian, we are who we are in Christ. Christ is our identity. Christ is our merit. Christ is our adequacy. We're in Christ. And believing, Mom, this morning, you are in Christ. And we read in Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6, in the New King James Version, the following, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the glory of his grace, watch it now, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Accepted in the beloved. Christians in general and Christian mothers in particular this morning, Christ is your Lord. Christ is your Savior. Christ is your life. Christ is your identity. Christ is your merit. Christ is your adequacy. Christ is your acceptability. That's radical. That is totally radical against all other world religions' viewpoints of what brings acceptability and worth and identity. Our belief, based on Scripture, is that Jesus Christ is the one who makes us acceptable to God. Hard-working, hard-loving, well-serving Christian mother who is listening to me right now, rejoice that you are accepted in the beloved. Nothing that you could do would cause the Savior to love you more, and nothing you could do would cause the Savior to love you less than he already does. We, together as believers, do not operate on the basis of performance-based acceptance. Instead, we operate on the basis of Christ-based acceptance. Performance-based acceptance is a treadmill, a treadmill that goes very fast. And as life has its challenges and complications, that treadmill goes faster and faster and faster. And if we feel we have to perform to gain approval from God and approval from our families, then that treadmill becomes a burden and a bondage. The good news for Christian mothers and the good news for Christians, period, is that we are not on some treadmill to earn acceptance with God. 
that we are not on some achieving system, but rather we are on a receiving system of God's grace in Christ. Performance-based acceptance and Christ-based acceptance are extremely different, and I purpose to to draw contrast between the two as the sermon unfolds. But when I think of this whole concept of being accepted in the beloved, of not being accepted based on merit or our efforts, I think of that beautiful Life magazine picture when John Fitzgerald Kennedy was the president of the United States, and there in the Oval Office, he had a desk, and under that desk was doors that swung out toward those who came to see the president sat before him, and there was John Kennedy Jr., his little boy playing under the president of the United States' desk in the Oval Office because he was smart, because he'd graduated an Ivy League college. No, but because he was the president's son. And he was allowed in the Oval Office. And Christian mom, you're accepted by God based on Christ's performance, not based on your performances. Let me give you two examples that make the case that we operate under Christ-based acceptance as believers and not under performance-based acceptance. Case number one, proof point number one, is the Apostle Paul. There was a time, as you may know, in the Apostle Paul's life when he felt he was some kind of a religious little train engine kid's book. I think I can, 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 I think I can. Paul was up to here as Saul, religious in the achieving system of performance-based acceptance with God. And yet after he came to know Christ in his fullness as his Lord and Savior in life and acceptance, in Philippians 3, 4 through 11, he goes through his once proud of religious resume. And he said this, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. So there was this time in Paul, the Pharisee Paul's life, that he thought it was all about his performance and that his performance would be the basis of his being acceptable to God. Then he goes on in verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I might gain Christ. Paul looked at performance-based acceptance, a bondage that he once lived under as a Pharisee, And then he contrasted that with Christ-based acceptance, the righteousness of God in Christ being given to him as a grace gift at conversion on the road to Damascus. And he counted all his former religious performances, all his former religious achievements, he counted them loss. He counted them rubbish. He counted them zero. Literally, he counted them manure. That's interesting. 
when persons, maybe ourselves among them, would put ourselves on some treadmill of performance to be accepted by God, accepted by our families, accepted by our churches. That's all very interesting. Paul figured out what we must figure out, that being accepted by God had nothing to do with Paul's work, but had everything to do with Jesus' work done on Paul's behalf. Paul figured it out that Christ-based acceptance and not performance-based acceptance was his only confidence, his only hope, his only reality. Have we figured that out? Christian moms who we all acknowledge and honor and love this morning. Have you figured that out? That your acceptability with God is based on Jesus' acceptability to God, and you are in Jesus. And you are working within a receiving system and not having to work in an achieving system. You know, it's only the person who sees herself or himself on this Christ-based acceptance reality that will have the ability to relax, to step off the treadmill of, of spiritual performance, and just to thank God for unconditional love in Christ. When I think of this bondage that Sometimes we find ourselves in, whether we're a Christian mother or just a Christian of any, of any role, I think of that old I Love Lucy episode. Some of you who are my age might remember I Love Lucy, and she was working in the chocolate factory with the conveyor belt of the chocolates. She started her new job, and she was doing fine with the chocolates, and then the line started going faster, and she was falling behind, and then she really started falling behind, and she starts to eat the chocolates so the boss couldn't see that she's falling behind. Performance-based acceptance is like that scene. It sneaks up on us. Before we know it, we're cramming chocolates down our throats just so our boss won't be disappointed. And so the first case in point by way of encouragement, to tell you, mom, that the mom that knows Christ, you are not on a performance-based acceptance with God. You are on a Christ-based acceptance with God. The first proof of that is the Apostle Paul. The second proof of that is one of our favorites, is the prodigal son. I think you remember the story. A father has two sons and a family farm business. The younger son quits the farm and gets his financial inheritance money early. And that son takes off down the road to a faraway place and spends all of his money on immoral and foolish living. He performs very poorly in the far-off country. Eventually there, he wakes up to how bad he has it there, and he wakes up to how good he used to have it on the family farm. And so the kid decides to come home. But in his mind, he was not going to ask daddy, to come home to be a son because he was only qualified and worthy that maybe to ask daddy to come home to be a hired farmhand. You see, he was aware of his own totally unsatisfactory performance in the far-off country. And so he came home 
in his mind with a performance-based acceptance mindset. Could I come home to perform better on the farm than I did in the far-off country? Could that be acceptable, Daddy, if I was just a worker? And I could prove myself on the farm. Could I be a worker? Well, you know what happened. He starts to come home with that mindset, and his daddy sees him on the horizon, which tells us that his daddy was watching the horizon regularly every day since the boy left. And his daddy was watching the horizon from regularly because he loved his son. He wanted him back. He was willing to forgive his son. He was willing to reinstate his son. That reinstatement and that mercy would not be based on what the son could do. No performance would demand that of the father. The father instead would give that forgiveness and mercy and grace and reinstatement based on relationship, not on performance. And you know the story. He comes back and daddy throws his arms around him after running out to greet him, says, Kill a calf, have a barbecue. This son that was dead is now alive and he's home. Get the robe, get the ring. Father didn't say, could you please convince your older brother that you're part of our family again and then we'll consider what we can do? The father didn't say, could you please pay me back all of the money you squandered in the far off country and then we'll have a family vote to see if we'll bring you back into the family. Persons who operate their Christian lives on performance-based acceptance, miss that God loves them and accepts them in Christ as their father. Performance-based acceptance is such a sneaky thing. It seeps into our thinking oftentimes in a very slow way. God, however, does not put us on any performance-based acceptance plan. Jesus was on the performance-based acceptance plan, and Jesus heard from heaven twice audibly in his public ministry, once at his baptism and a second time at the transfiguration. The Father say, audibleized, Behold my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so Christian mom Your acceptance with God is not based on what you can do. Instead, your acceptance with God is based on what Christ has done for you. And because this is true, we can see the very sharp differences between performance-based acceptance and Christ-based acceptance. I'm going to go down a long list. Performance-based acceptance, that's law, merit, and do. Christ-based acceptance is grace, mercy, and done. Performance-based acceptance, performance, externals, and behavior. Christ-based acceptance, gift received, heart attitudes, rebirth. Performance-based acceptance, an achieving system and bondage. Christ-based acceptance, a receiving system and liberty. You're hearing the differences? Performance-based acceptance, I have to. I am what I do. Christ-based acceptance, I want to. I am what Christ did. Performance-based acceptance and Christ-based acceptance are radically different from each other. 
And when you think about it, the Pharisees, the religious uppity-ups in the New Testament, lived down the performance-based acceptance column. That's where they lived. And you remember Jesus' most stinging rebuke of anybody were the Pharisees. And so, dear moms, because you are loved and appreciated and cherished, I am sure that you are going to receive lovely greeting cards this weekend, and you deserve every one you get. But perhaps the best greeting card of love comes to you from your God when he assures you, you are accepted in the beloved. You are not on the performance-based acceptance plan. You are on the Christ-based acceptance plan. And so, dear Christian mom here today, you are not entered into some spiritual beauty pageant. Jesus was, and he won it. Christian mom today, the reason for God's acceptance of you is never you. You are not loved by God only if you are towing the line and spiritually performing. You are not on probation with your Savior. You are not on a tryout for God's family. You are not earning God's grace or love. You are not living, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Instead, you are experienced, Jesus did, Jesus did, Jesus did, Jesus did. What a difference. Your merit is Christ's merit. I know that many moms don't like Major League Baseball, but indulge me this illustration. Cal Ripken Jr. set a Major League Baseball record for consecutive games played without missing a game. He had a 2,632-game streak. But then, of course, the day came when he wasn't in the starting lineup and his record-breaking streak was broken. And a guy named Ryan Miner played for Cal Ripken Jr. at third base. And you know what? Ryan Miner's shoes and Ryan Miner's baseball glove from that game went to the Hall of Fame simply because he was related to Cal Ripken Jr.'s story. Ryan Miner had a very inconsequential Major League Baseball career. But when he did something as important to be associated with a Hall of Fame game, consecutive game uh, setting record, his stuff went to the Hall of Fame. We are not only associated with Jesus Christ, we are in Christ. Dad, of course, is here too. So glad to have my dad and my grandfather and my dad had funeral home businesses in Toronto. And as I was trying to illustrate in my mind, how does this work that a Christian mom's uh, acceptance is based on Christ's merit and not on her merit? I thought, Dad, when we put those funeral uh, vehicle signs between the crease of the hood, you know, the slot on the hood of the car, and they were put in there, and you could drive in the cortege to the cemetery, and uh, if the lead car and the police escort took you through a red light, um, you would have a privilege to have some loosened driving uh, laws when you were in a cortege with a funeral sign on. As long as you were in a car with a funeral cortege sign on your hood, you could do these things that otherwise you couldn't do. 
We are in Christ. We have acceptability to God in Christ. We have not like John Jr. Kennedy under the Oval Office desk of the free, the leader of the free world. We have access to the Heavenly Father who is King of the universe. And so, Mom, moms, I would just really encourage you to ponder this, that you are accepted in the beloved. You are not on a performance-based acceptance. You are on a Christ-based acceptance. So what difference should this make? That you're on a Christ-based acceptance, that you're accepted in the beloved, that you're on a receiving system, not an achieving system. What differences should this make? I think at least four in conclusion. Number one, don't be hard on yourself. If your acceptability to God is based on Christ's performance and not based on your own performance, then don't be so hard on yourself. If God has a wallet, your picture is in God's wallet, born-again mom, because God loves you, accepts you, believes in you, helps you. Don't be too hard on yourself. The second implication is don't be too hard on others. Don't be too hard on others. Don't hold them up to some standard of performance for you to accept them when you're happy that God doesn't hold you up to some performance for him to accept you. Don't be hard on others. Number three, don't let people be hard on you. Don't let people be hard on you. You know, Paul was very clear in Galatians, when he spoke about people-pleasing, he said, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I trying, striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. There are instances, ladies, that for you to obey Christ, you're going to have to displease people. So don't... Let people be hard on you. You know, sometimes people talk about climbing the ladder of success. One of my seminary professors, Howard Hendricks, said, you know what the real tragedy is? That some people will work so hard to please other people to climb the ladder of success, and at the end of their lives, they'll find out the ladder was leaning up against the wrong wall. And the other truth is if we seek to people-please, Not only may the ladder be leaning against the wrong wall, but it may be a moving ladder. You know how, like when you play Monopoly as a board game and people change the game's rules all the time? You know who you are. Fourth and last implication. Don't be hard on your own ministry. Don't be too hard on your own ministry. I've told you this before, but there was a a man who uh, met an, an art evaluator. And he said, man, you know, I've got some art 
at home, would you mind coming by the house and giving me an evaluation? And so the evaluator said, okay, he thought it was a little odd, but he went to the guy's house. They walk in the kitchen, and the homeowner turns the refrigerator and points to some primary school-age drawings that his kids have done that on the refrigerator. He turns to the evaluator of the art and says, how much are those babies worth? He looked at him funny. He said, you serious? He goes, yeah, I'm serious. What are they worth? I think they're excellent for their age. They're just excellent. He said, man, he says, the only, the, they have no intrinsic worth. The only worth they have is their relationship to them as in their dad. All that we do, all that I do as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, all that any of us do in ministry is refrigerator art to God. Everything is refrigerator art to God. He loves it. He's happy to post it. So don't be too hard on your ministry. I hope this has helped you. I hope this is an encouragement to you. I just want to close by maybe painting an absurd couple of scenes. Um, when the young man said he, he, he met his mother. Uh, that was so sweet and so cute. But I know what doesn't happen when a, a mom gives birth to a baby and the doctor or the midwife hands the baby to the mother right after delivery and she says, I guess you're cute enough. We'll, we'll have you in the family. Or, you know... Don't rest on your laurels because, you know, I'm expecting you to make me happy. And, you know, it goes from there, you know. It's a little iffy. Nor does it happen, moms, that your families get together with you at the end of every month and do a job performance meeting. Let's see. April 2018. You did okay with meal prep and patience. And you've done far better than Mrs. McGillicuddy in this or that, but there's always room for improvement. Overall, I guess we'll keep you on through May 2018. It doesn't work that way. You are accepted in the beloved, first and foremost with the Savior. You're accepted in the beloved with your families. You're accepted in the beloved with your children. You're accepted in the beloved with your grandchildren and great-grands. You're accepted in the beloved in this assembly. It's not based on your performances. We love you. We want to encourage you. You're doing well. You are doing well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that for all of us as Christians, it's not a, a point of measuring up. It's love. It's not conditional acceptance, but it's relationship. Bless our dear sisters. Bless them in the ministry they have. May they know their acceptability in Christ and our love for them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.